Hey everybody, welcome to On Podcast, the On Microsoft Podcast. Uh, again, once and only, the one and only <laughs> podcast for On Microsoft, uh, the only place for you to hear about Microsoft news. And you got really. like five ons in there, like usual. I know. I'm going to sure. see how many ons. <laughs> by the time we're like in episode 40, I want to have like you know 15 on, 15 or 20 ons in there. <laughs> but uh, enough about the ons. Uh, we're here to talk about Microsoft uh, and more Microsoft news uh, that happened last week, and news that's going to be happening uh, in the coming week. So why don't I you am, get us started yeah, with? Say, I'm Kareem Anderson, <laughs> and I'm joined with the world's greatest co-host, Arif Bacchus. Yeah, and uh, he's going to jump into some uh, some of our highlights for the week. So for all of you people who are using Teams, we have some good news for you this week. Uh, there's been a lot of talk talk about some new Teams features. So we're just going to highlight some stuff that we heard from Microsoft this week about Teams. And um, Kareem is always about the business. And apparently Microsoft tried to was trying to acquire a pretty big company. Yeah, uh, apparently we, there's been news that broke this week about Microsoft's interest in, in Pinterest, ironically. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about uh, what could have been uh, and why, you know, uh, why would Microsoft be interested in Pinterest? And then we have some Surface news. Uh, Surface Duo is expanding to new markets. So we'll just uh, look at where Surface Duo is heading next, even though it's not really selling well here in the United States. And then there's also some rumors about the new Android 11 update for Surface Duo. So get you up to speed on that too. And that was like four surfaces in one sentence, but there's still more surfaces ahead <laughs> for the week ahead, which I'll let Kareem get into now. Yeah, uh, for those of you who can't see uh, the podcast, uh, Microsoft was kind enough to loan us a Surface Pro 7 Plus. Uh, that's just the keyboard. But, you know, for those of you who've seen a Surface Pro, it looks like a Surface Pro, uh, but they've made a bunch of um, uh, spec improvements, and you know I'm going to have a first impressions uh, without a spoiler alert. These spec improvements in the last 36 hours I've been using it uh, are impressive. So you know, chat us to spec improvements. And then Microsoft is also holding a AI and gaming research summit next month. So we'll just uh, talk about what that is if you guys are curious. And uh, also, we do have another special guest coming up next week. Yeah, we have uh, Richard Hay. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, he'll correct us during the interview. But he is a Microsoft MVP, a stalwart in the industry. Uh, I'm sure many of you have already heard of his name or heard references uh, or shout outs or uh, inclusions of him uh, across Twitter and other in other people's you know, uh, journalistic efforts. He is going. To, he was kind enough to join us on the podcast. So, uh, for those of you who will be putting up a post about it, and if you have any questions you want to ask him or want us to ask him, um, please feel free to drop in on those. So, time to get started with the Teams news, which um, apparently Microsoft is introducing Teams Pro, uh, like like Windows 10 Pro, <laughs> but uh, this is not. <laughs> this is not just um, not really what you think it is. If you're someone who depends on like webinars and live events, Teams Pro is going to be something that you're going to want to consider buying. They're basically adding new uh, meeting and webinar capabilities to Teams with this Team Pro thing. And Microsoft is planning to launch it at the tenant level. And apparently it's coming in mid-March. And I think uh, Brad Sams of Petri.com was the one who broke the story. 
And he mentioned that the Teams Pro service plan is going to deliver some enhanced meeting intelligence and webinar capabilities. And organizations will be able to host Teams live events and Teams meetings for interactive online sessions. Um, there's not many official details about this plan, but apparently it's coming with some important updates that are going to be announced at Ignite. Um, it includes webinar registration and reporting functionalities and other meeting options like dynamic view. And there are a couple of specific plans that you can add them to. And I'll just let Kareem go through that because I need to take a breath after talking about teams for five minutes straight. <laughs> yeah, um, it says Microsoft says new capabilities will be enabled, be enabled in Teams Surface plans. Uh, users will be able to add them to any Microsoft 360, Office 365, I mean, sorry, Microsoft 365, Office 365, and Microsoft 365, uh, E5, Enterprise, uh, E3, A5, and A3, Business Standard and Business Basic subscriptions. In addition, uh, Microsoft detailed that all the new Teams features uh, will be enabled by default for all users with the licenses uh, that were mentioned above. So anyone with any of those EA um, versions, E5, E3, A5, and A3 uh, will be able to get this automatically. And, but however, IT admins will be uh, able to turn it off manually if they you know, uh, have for whatever reason security issues or their apps that don't uh, work or support any of the uh, new Teams features. So for those admins who are very cautious and want to move at a slower pace, uh, you will be able to turn those off uh, within your uh, own feature settings. It's basically not, not like a Windows 10 Pro where <laughs> It's like an, a different flavor of teams or anything. It's just adding like a sizable, some sizable features for for teams, for webinars and for live events. Yeah, um, you know, we've just to give it a little context and color to this. Uh, Microsoft has been building out uh, its uh, webinar and um, um, uh, forgot the second part of that was um, live events. Live events, sorry. Uh, platforms by basically dog booting and hosting some of the bigger uh, sporting events. Like we know that Teams was uh, a support mechanism and infrastructure for the NFL uh, during the playoffs. It was uh, the same thing for the NBA during the playoffs. Uh, they've hosted um, different award shows as well uh, all throughout 2020. So, uh, you know, they're getting kind of the experience uh, and the scale uh, to kind of you know, host an enterprise event or is something like CES, which I believe they also were, yep. were big. They were the partners for that as well. So um, turning this into a live events platform is huge. Uh, this is something I believe that they're trying to kind of uh, ward off or kind of block Zoom, because uh, Zoom is also very big in this space. So again, just a little context on why uh, Microsoft might be building these things out uh, the way they are. And um, other than Teams Pro, there's also some, anyone can try this out. There's the new Milestone and Bulletins app, which are coming to Teams. Um, I went hands-on with it a couple of days ago. And just to be clear, these are apps are built on the Microsoft Power Platform. And it's all about allowing users to manage, track, and collaborate on group projects within Teams itself. You might already be using Planner or integrations with Asana or some of the other third-party apps that plug in with Teams. But these two apps are built on Power Platform, and they're basically 
a, a way to get you more organized and to help you stay out on top of your work and to track your projects. So the first one is Milestones, which is designed to help managers stay on top of their work by tracking projects and initiatives across the organization. It uh, provides tools for setting up projects and work items, assigning work items to employees and classifying work items. And you're, a you're able to view all of your work, just like, just like Planner, how Planner works. You have like a 360 degree view of all your items and all the different departments and wherever they come from. It's pretty clean and it's pretty concise. And I'll have the GIF uh, for you to check it out because they did have a post about it when they relate when they released it and secondly uh, last week we talked about viva and how viva is designed to bring together make your work from home life easier and bring together like stuff that you normally would be doing in person like town halls and events and stuff like that but the bulletins app is kind of a little bit like viva because it's all about employees and helping you communicate right within microsoft teams uh, you'll be able to like read broadcasts from your managers, see memos, see announcements, and read company news. And they appear in a pretty nice dashboard with with lots of fancy visuals that your manager could set up. And it's a it's basically a new way to interact with things happening across your company. And it's really great to see that Microsoft is building these apps on Power Platform, which makes it easy for people and for companies to customize to their own liking. Yeah, uh, it seems like they're taking uh, Milestones apps and making a micro version of the Viva platform for this. So um, where the entire company could be on Viva, um, you and your specific departments can use Milestones as a more um, intimate engagement with you know, your, you know, your immediate supervisor or your uh, next door coworker or whatnot, uh, versus having to see the entire flood of in, uh, company information and news. This is what Microsoft is great at with Teams, just making sure, plugging in everything that they have in one shot and making sure that you're able to get the, everything from Microsoft 365 all in one place. Yeah, they've gotten, I, you know, I say they arguably gotten better at streamlining this. Uh, Microsoft's always been really good at throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping stuff <laughs> sticks. I think, you know, to everyone's crediting industry, I think everyone does this. Some people do it more elegantly, elegantly than others. Apple, you know, is notorious for, you know, nailing it on the first or second try with it. Other companies take, you know, like Samsung, seven to 25 different iterations. But uh, I think in the last five years, they've gotten really good at honing in on um, what businesses um, need. And I think this is part of uh, an evolution of the support system. Um, you know, they used to have a, a sprawling uh, department for support. And I think they're, you know, obviously like every company is trying to scale back, but they're also trying to make sure that they're answering the the big questions that IT are having um, and addressing those a lot quicker. So uh, I'm sure there was somebody in some companies saying like, hey, we want to communicate, but we don't want, you know, all of this communication. And so here we go. So milestones, bulletins, and Teams Pro are all things that are actually happening, which you'll be able to play with sooner or later. But there's a pretty cool thing that Microsoft Research has done with AI uh, that they plugged it in with Teams, and I'll let you handle that. Yeah, this is all part of the 
Zoom boom is what I'm going to call it, uh, <laughs> where uh, video conferencing is becoming uh, far more intelligent than just uh, broadcasting, uh, you know, high def visuals. Um, we noticed some of the similar stuff uh, with Skype, but more specifically, uh, AI for Teams uh, meetings concepts. This Microsoft Research Team has developed a new AI that will automatically analyze people's expressions during video meetings. Um, in the Microsoft Research paper published last month, uh, and then spotted by a new scientist, the company describes effective spotlight, facilitating the communication of uh, effective responses from audience members during online presentations. The Microsoft Teams bot that the company built acts as an additional attendee during virtual meetings. It can view the video stream from other participants and send out uh, send its outgoing video to the meeting's attendees. Uh, the AI leverages neural networks to automatically classify participants' expressions into different categories, including anger, happiness, surprise, disgust, fear, sadness, and simply just being neutral or asleep. <laughs> uh, interestingly, <laughs> it can also determine movements such as uh, nodding or head shaking. Um, it has eyebrow detection uh, system to spot confusion. Uh, you know, for those of us who don't understand what people are saying in the meetings, uh, maybe there'll be a pop-up with some additional information at some point. Um, the tool was spotlighted, um, was able to spotlight 40% of the attendees during virtual meetings as compared to 80, 87% with other similar tools. Still, the Redmond Giants uh, are exploring different ideas uh, to address the limitations and make improvements. Now, with all that being said, um, Silicon Valley and uh, the folks in Redmond, uh, tech giants of both Amazon and Microsoft, haven't had a very good track record with AI and facial oh, uh, recognition or awareness or things like that, especially for people of color. Um, so, you know, we'll take this research paper, this new idea, this new concept with a grain of salt, uh, especially in its execution, because um, again, it's just you know, maybe it's something to do with lighting, maybe it's just something to do with enough faces for people of color to, you know, build out a database for, but, you know, we've had some issues, Microsoft uh, being amongst some of the uh, industry providers with the same thing. So again, they said they're going to be working on it. Uh, the other thing I would caution too is that I, you know, it sounds like there's going to be a virtual assistant slash virtual nanny oh boy. for employers, uh, the way that it's described. Again, I could be misinterpreting the information, but the specific line about, um, let's see, where did I have it? Uh, the Microsoft Teams bot that the company built acts as an additional attendee during virtual meetings. Meaning, um, for those of us who used to sort of quote unquote slack during you know meetings that didn't have your uh, immediate supervisor involved, this bot can now potentially relay information back. So, if you were confused about something, if you seemed angry about something, if you seemed uh, sad about something, I mean, these are all good things for it to have. But you know, you also need to caution that. It is sort of a spying tool with a lot of uh, data that can be given back to employers or even, you know, if, if handled improperly to clients, um, to partners, things like that. So um, we'll keep an eye on how Microsoft rolls this out and um, we'll, uh, I will actually see if I can reach out and see if we can get any more details about how this information is being uh, processed and, you know, who gets to collect it at the end of the day and who gets to keep it. Let's just hope that it doesn't end up like Tay. Do you remember um, the, <laughs> the, the Tay, Tay the racist Tay, Twitter bot? Tay the racist Twitter bot who went rogue and started calling people Nazis and weird <laughs> names and stuff. Yeah, uh, the anti-Semitic racist Twitter bot Tay uh, <laughs> had a short lifespan. 
may it rest in peace. But uh, yeah, let's let's hope that this thing <laughs> at least just stays quiet if it's going to have those kind of opinions. Uh, okay, so enough about AI. Let's just talk about whiteboard because it's something that a lot of people probably use in meetings every day. And apparently it's getting better in Teams right now. Yeah, uh, the new whiteboard integration brings the ability for users to add Microsoft Whiteboard as a tab inside of Teams. Again, we're all focused on Teams. So anything that you think is an app that you would like to use, that you're currently using, just be prepared at some point that it's going to be involved in Teams. So <laughs> if you're a fan of, uh, I don't know, Outlook, it's going to be in Teams versus just being its own app. If you're a fan <laughs> of the Photos app, somehow it's going to be in Teams. So, uh, Thanks to the latest edition, uh, commercial and education customers can now you uh, can now pin a whiteboard to any channel. Users will be able to open the Microsoft whiteboard on a PC, Mac, iPad, uh, and make it read-only or collaborative uh, for the participants. Um, I am trying to use whiteboard more often. I, you know, the problem is I've spent de two decades plus using uh, OneNote, and so I've oh, yeah. kind of got my workflow built for OneNote, but uh, Whiteboard is a very uh, creative version of, I believe, OneNote. It allows you a little more uh, artistic stylings and a little more uh, media integration. So um, for those of you who uh, don't use Whiteboard or interested in Whiteboard, just uh, you can obviously go to the Microsoft Store to download it. I believe all new Surface devices come with it uh, pre-installed. So give it a shot um, and see how it compares to your current OneNote use. Um, you mentioned something about creativity and something that's key in cre creativity for most people. Or I know Brad, one of our writers, is really into using Pinterest and all of the boards. So apparently Microsoft tried to buy Pinterest a couple years ago. I just got whiplash from that segue. It was, it was so quick. <laughs> for those of you, yeah. Um, after Microsoft tried to tried but failed to acquire TikTok, uh, which we all kind of saw, and for those of us who were Microsoft, you know, longtime fans, were hoping didn't happen. Uh, Microsoft and TikTok are no longer. But there's a new report from the Financial Times that reveals that Microsoft was discussing an acquisition with Pinterest in recent months. Um, the visual social network, which is currently valued at fifty-one billion dollars, will be Microsoft's most expensive acquisition in the company's history more so than LinkedIn, which made way more sense than this, but we'll come back to that in a second. <laughs> However, discussions between two companies are currently not active, according to the report. Uh, Pinterest is a San Francisco-based Francisco company created in 2010, and uh, it went public back in 2019. So it's, I, I say back in, but basically uh, the year that time forgot, plus one. So in 2019, <laughs> uh, and it had 442 million active users uh, as of uh, December, so uh, presuming it's increased a little bit. Uh, it's especially popular with women, uh, but it's becoming actually statistically, and I, uh, during my day job, I work for a marketing firm. Um, men are finding it, um, they're becoming more active and they're becoming um, bigger buyers and consumers on Pinterest. Um, you know, there's still, it's still like a 60-40 split between men and women, but the, their demographics increasing, which is part of the reason why the evaluation is so high as of recently. Um, women still represent more than 60% of the user base, uh, as stated. The company describes itself as a visual discovery engine, helping consumers collect things uh, on the internet that they or can find passionate about. Um, but it's becoming a, you know, a pretty big uh, marketing platform uh, slash um, a product seller, 
um, in its recent uh, couple of years. Uh, so again, that's all to say this is part of probably part of the reason why uh, Microsoft was you know initially interested in Pinterest is that uh, it could be for a few reasons. One off the top of my head as a marketer, it's an end around to Amazon and Google as far as product uh, searches. Um, I think what Amazon is kind of doing, which uh, is encroaching on Google's search, is that people go to Amazon to search for things versus, you know, randomly searching for products, which you used to do in Google. So you type in, you know, I want blue sandals. Uh, instead of doing that in Google, you now go to Amazon to not only see if there's blue sandals, but to get pricing and to see reviews about it. Uh, and Pinterest is one of those things. So it would have definitely helped Microsoft to have acquired Pinterest uh, and then add all of that uh, search and purchase data to to Bing. That's they one of the already they already have a kind of a deal with Pinterest where it's in collections, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, yeah. Um, for those of you using the new Edge, uh, when you for the first time, I believe, I don't know if it continuously pops up because I always just say okay to it, and I you know try to test out different devices, uh, so I'm always reinstalling Edge or the Canary version of it. But uh, yeah, as soon as you open collections, there's a side panel that asks you if you'd like to participate with Pinterest. So um, I'm not quite sure how that integration fully forms, though, because I've, you know, I collect things for our podcast, for reading material, uh, just things for articles I write and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily about, uh, you know, buying cologne or uh, <laughs> looking for bedroom decor or anything like that. So, or iPhones um, or iPhones. Or iPhones. Uh, I look for trash information about iPhones, so maybe there's that. But um, yeah, I, I'm curious to see where that integration goes. But yeah, that's part of the partnership. So we'll see maybe if this was a compromise, saying like, "Hey, we won't pay 51 billion for you, but we'll pay 8 billion for, or you know, not even eight, but you know, 700 million for you to be part of our Edge platform." You know, I'm going to come up with another great transition here and blow you away once more. You know what? What? You know what? Pinterest would work really good on Kareem. What's that? The Surface Duo. Oh, <laughs> which just so happens to be coming to new markets. Um, when it launched a couple of months ago, I believe it's almost close to probably nine months now here in the U.S. Um, the Duo only launched in the U.S. and people in other countries needed to import it and buy it from other places and then import it in to their country. So now Surface Duo is officially going to be available in Canada, France, Germany, and the U.K. starting February 18th. Um, in Canada, the you would be able to buy it through the Microsoft Store, Best Buy, and Best Buy Canada, and through resellers and so we're not really sure about the pricing just yet on what it would be in terms of Canadian dollars. But in the UK, Microsoft teamed up with Curry's PC World to, to sell the dual screen device and be prepared to be blown away here. The price starts at £1,349. What? Yeah, it doesn't make sense, right? It's uh, the barrier to entry for this device seems to be just increasing, which is the wrong direction you want when you want adoption, I would think. 
And then it's even more expensive if you're in France or Germany. The duel there is going to supposedly be at 1,549 euros for just the introduction model. With, and the 256 gigabyte model is over 100 euros more. And unlike, unlike what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, this, this, the, all of these models will only come with 6 gigabytes of RAM. There is no 8, eight gigabyte model, unlike what a suggest, the listing from the French retailer suggested last month. So again, Surface Duo is going to new places, but I'm not sure if anyone is actually going to buy one at that price. Uh, I'm going to say no. <laughs> that, uh, again, um, I am all for and excited for the prospect of, uh, you know, foldable phones, uh, you know, a foldable screen technology, stuff like this. But this is just, you know, asinine for Microsoft to be saying like, hey, here's not only a two-year-old technology, but we're going to be charging more for it uh, <laughs> in international markets. Like, especially when like, you know, again, rumors say, that they should have a second version coming within, you know, uh, next five to six months. So anybody who buys this um, is just being slapped in the face by Microsoft. Well, what's even I think worse? I think checking boxes and getting their distribution channels up and going. What's even worse, though, is that the Duo still has Android um, 10. Oh. And like every single phone, Android phone from most popular Android makers like Samsung and HT. What are what are the the major players here? Samsung and Samsung, um, uh, LG, LG still around, even yeah. though they're considering not being uh, OnePlus. Uh, what else do we got? Paco, Paco, is that what they call? Them? I don't know, but point is, all the major Android Huawei. phones and uh, and major Android makers, they've already updated they've all their phones to Android 11, and the Surface Duo is still stuck on Android 10 even though it's been like nine or 10 months since it's been released. And I don't understand what's taking Microsoft so long, but apparently there was a rumor going around from, I believe it was Dr. Windows, which is a German blog about Microsoft. He stated that he had a brief with Microsoft USA and the team that built the Surface Duo. And he learned that apparently they're working on Android 11 for this summer or the middle of this year and Windows Central seem to have confirmed that they're saying it's coming in the mid-year and apparently they have to work together Microsoft and Google had to work together to get uh, like all the dual screen stuff right so other Android makers could take the code and build their own Surface Duos. Which again if we buy this story which I may call me a skeptic I don't um, <laughs> Android 11 was supposed to already come with dual screen support, multi-screen support. Like that was part of the big thing that was in the code. And as we can see, you know, obviously I think Samsung and LG might have been the only two big companies to kind of jump on board with implementing any of this. So if Microsoft is coming out with the Duo, not only should it have been first in line for Android 11, meaning like, you know, hey, in November when everyone else got it, Microsoft should have gotten it, you know, right there with everyone else. But why is it taking them so long to get Android 11 on their device when everyone else, you know, Samsung will have come out with presumably the, the full three with 11 with quick support for Android 12 and whatever comes out with 12. Like, it just doesn't make any sense that it's taking Microsoft and Google this long 
to do folding phones when Google already did this. I guess that maybe they're trying to like work out the quirks and the bugs that a lot of people complain about when the Duo first came out. Maybe they're trying to perfect it and get everything right, right on and perfect. Because this is something that what was the big Windows 10 update? Like, uh, was it October 2018 update a couple of years ago that screwed up everyone's PC and then everyone went so hard on Microsoft for it. So I'm sure that they're taking their time and making sure that that this Android 11 won't just like brick everyone's Surface Duo. I mean, which is going to be, again, I appreciate the hard work. So anybody who's from Microsoft watching or listening to this, uh, please don't feel like I'm denigrating any of that. Like we appreciate all of the work and concentration and effort that's going into it. Uh, but there are things that will be coming out in Android 12, like widgets, support, and uh, you know, theme styling, stuff like that, that would make the Duo uh, more palatable for people. And they, you know, presumably, if they keep at this pace of cautiously iterating, you know, buying a Surface Duo 2 shouldn't be a thing until 2022, essentially, like mid-summer or whatever. So if they present something, you know, this year, it's going to be like, oh, here's the Surface Duo 2 with Android 11 still. But we perfected <laughs> it. Meanwhile, you're going to have the Note, you know, 22, Note 20, whatever with all kinds of crazy pin support and all kinds of different widgets and styling with the, things. Stuff with like the that. whole back of the phone having like 20 different cameras on it or something? The whole, yeah, the whole back is just going to be like, <laughs> yeah, one big eyeball. So it's, <laughs> it's just going to be interesting to like see how Microsoft kind of takes its approach. Because, you know, it's one thing to do it for your PCs and your operating system doesn't change very much. Like, you know, there are a few features and stuff like that. But for phones, people have the idea that a new phone comes with a new operating system. Like you don't ship new phones with old operating systems and microsoft's kind of doing that if they're going to be doing a duo 2 with android 11 still i hope it'll be something that they'll be able to learn from and take criticism from when they're pushing out the new surface duo yeah uh if and when you know because if, if they keep if, selling about these prices in europe i'm sure someone's gonna be like no shut this down but speaking of surface it's now time for the week ahead and you're planning a big surface review aren't you yeah, I still owe our readers uh, my um, uh, initial impressions on the Nano, so uh, I will be having that out. Um, I did the initial impressions for the Fold, uh, and you know, just as you know, Mr. Mobile and I kind of had a conversation on Twitter saying that uh, there's something missing. Uh, for those of you who haven't read the first impressions, I won't spoil it for you, but uh, it seems like this device was definitely intended for Windows 10X, and they you know, haphazardly threw Windows 10 on there, which you think would have fit fine, but there are a lot of bugs and glitches um, that are very noticeable, and I believe that they're due to hardware um, more so than this operating system. So um, Microsoft and Lenovo need to work that out, but the hardware itself, A+, amazing. Um, and then, yeah, I owe you guys a nano. But uh, in addition, this is why we're talking about Surface. That's, Surface the, Pro, that's the star of the show. Yes. Uh, our Surface Pro 7 Plus. Um, I, it's been a while since I've had a Surface Pro. I think my last one that I've owned or even reviewed was a Surface Pro 4. Um, so uh, I'm super excited about this one, um, you know, seeing the new uh, ports and everything. Um, also kind of getting into this uh, SSD down here and kind of, you know, making use of all of this uh, and the, the spec improvements um, just in my 
initial 24 hours with the thing. Um, I'm already noticing almost an hour additional battery life. I haven't used the LTE stuff yet because uh, I need to purchase a plan for that. And uh, our company doesn't provide it yet. Kip, I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> but uh, I will test that out as well and see if the battery life uh, sustains with that. I know Gang Urbino's kind of put out there his review of this so far early on, and he's saying that even with LTE on, that it, he didn't see any difference. So that's really good. Uh, basically, what I'm getting at is that um, maybe we've been undervaluing or underrating spec bumps. You know, maybe Apple is onto something by just keeping the form factor as is, improving uh, some of the internals and relying heavily on Microsoft to deliver the operating system uh, experiences. As they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Exactly. There's, there's a reason why that saying works. And I know everyone's kind of craving the redesign with like a Surface Pro X body, which again, I am all there for, but there is something to having um, port reliability. Um, this, I have a Surface dock that this thing connects to and all my Surface devices connect to it very reliably. Uh, so for anybody who's bought accessories with, for this device over the last uh, nine or seven years, nine years, um, it's great to have that and then just get the uh, new improvements from Intel, which uh, I got to test out gaming and I got to test out the cooling. But um, again, solid, very solid device, very solid uh, upgrade so far. I'm really excited to see your review because I know that um, Intel is making big gains. There was this thing uh, this week about yeah. how about their ads against the Intel, not the Intel, the Apple M1 Max, where yeah. they're claiming that um, their 11th gen chips are better than the Apple M1. So I know uh, Ice Lake made a little, a lot of gains with in terms of gaming and playing light titles like Rocket League. So I'm interested to see what what these 11th gen chips are capable of in the new Surface Pro 7 Plus. Yeah, um, just to kind of give our readers uh, kind of a backdrop on the, the Intel thing, because I believe, you know, uh, this isn't going to end anytime soon. So this is part <laughs> of our week ahead. Uh, you wrote about uh, Intel's last week's uh, Twitter slash uh, impromptu throwdown against the M1. <laughs> uh, I thought it was cute. I thought it was coy, but I also think it's something that Intel really doesn't want to get into personally. Like, I think that she should have quietly just giving the reviewers the option to test an M1, uh, to test their new chipset and let them review it. It, it. This back and forth is really opening them up for me, from my personal view, to AMD coming in from out of, you know, sideways from left field and kind of cutting them off the knees because for all the things that they're saying that uh, Intel does better than the Mac, AMD does better than Intel. And <laughs> a lot of, a lot of uh, develop, a lot of manufacturers partners are using AMD these days. You know, a, uh, AMD's featured heavily in Lenovo's lineup. It's featured heavily in Dell's lineup as well. Um, Microsoft is rumored to be expanding um, its usage in the service lineup. So, you know, Intel, watch where you trot these uh, these lines out. That that's definitely going to be something that's worth keeping an eye on in the week ahead. Because I even saw that they did like these benchmark tests where they're saying that like um, an 11th gen Intel Evo laptop could launch PowerPoint faster and do PowerPoint slides faster than an Apple M1 can. And then they're like, oh, the battery gains on the Apple M1 are not all that great in the laptop because we tested this, I think it was an Acer or an Asus laptop, 
and it's pretty much the same. So, new showdown. We had Mac versus PC. Now we have Intel versus Apple. Yeah, I feel like we're back in late 1990s. <laughs> okay, and um, speaking of, this relates to something that we talked about last week where we said Microsoft could be holding these breakout events. Well, we had one for Viva, which we talked about to start the show, and now apparently there's a new event coming up for Microsoft AI and gaming research. This sounds like it's something about Xbox, but technically it not really. it's not really about Xbox, but Phil Spencer, who heads the Xbox team, he's going to be there, and apparently this event is about four different things. It's about AI agents, responsible gaming, computational creativity, and understanding players. So it's basically the behind-the-scenes stuff of creating Xbox and creating Xbox games. So it's something to keep an eye on if you're an Xbox fan. Yeah, I hope that they expand on this. I hope this becomes its own build but for the xbox community like this is you know we always kind of just lump xbox into microsoft's huge build development thing and i know that they do it for financial reasons but if they're able to like we said break these things out and be more economical with their time and their focus um i think there's there's a huge hunger for a uh, xbox dedicated developer community outreach program and if again if all of these highlights that he's talking about or a focus in the beginning of that, I think it'd be great. And that pretty much does it. And I'll leave you for the last topic because you were able to get our special guest to approach, to appear on the show. So I'll let you talk about it and tease what he's going to talk about with us for next week. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Richard Hay is going to be uh, joining us next week. Uh, he is very active on Twitter for those of you who uh, know him. Uh, for those of you who don't, uh, follow him on Twitter. Uh, see if we can put his Twitter handle in the uh, links below. Um, I don't know it off the top of my head. I just follow him and I see his information all the time. I've <laughs> met him a few times at uh, Ignite. He's a fellow Floridian. Um, he's very big into uh, space travel and exploration. So he's you know constantly tweeting all of the space launches. He's a big man of faith. Um, and he is also a Microsoft MVP. Uh, and so he's very active in the community, very knowledgeable, super friendly guy. Um, we're going to talk about all kinds of things with him. Uh, we're going to let him kind of guide the conversation. And But again, if you guys have anything specific that you want us to ask him, uh, we're going to kind of do a, a teaser post and you can put your comments or questions uh, in that section below. Uh, again, just let us know what you would like us to ask and we'll see if he's okay with answering it. Uh, but it's a big privilege to have him on the show. This is, would be our third special guest. So on on podcast is going places. Yeah, um, you know we're starting with our community, uh, with fellow journalists, with developers. Um, at some point, we would love to have uh, people from Microsoft or specific divisions within Windows or gaming things like that to kind of, you know, reach out to us or we reach out to them and they say yes. Uh, we just want to make sure that we bring you guys, you know, relevant, entertaining content. And that about does it. That's our last topic. So I'll leave you for the traditional outro. Yeah. Uh, uh, my, again, Kareem Anderson. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at Mindhead1, uh, the only one. If you're looking for Mindhead, he's going to give you a bunch of runarounds and content you don't care about. Uh, <laughs> and you can also follow uh, Eric Backus at ABACJURN. Yes, and he will be constantly tweeting about new food, restaurants, and every place <laughs> he finds, and NASCAR. It seems to be like his big thing. 
And let's not forget Apple too. He tweets about Apple. I tweet about <laughs> Apple trash. So you, you follow whichever one you want. You need two to tango, right? Exactly. Uh, so thanks for watching, everyone. And we hope to see you again. Same place, same time next week. Thank you. Be safe. Wear your mask. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week.